Welcome to 30 Years of Dough. It's the Super Side Track Tale Relevant Show. Hello again, podcasterinos. We are back with another episode of 30 Years of Dough. Dough. I'm Chris Connolly. I'm Matt Mercer-Slingsby. And today we are discussing a real live episode. What? So it is December the 17th. 2019, exactly 30 years from the first airing of Simpsons episode 7G08, Simpsons Roasting on an Open Fire, also known as the Simpsons Christmas Special. Started with the Christmas Special. Uh, Started, much to everyone's chagrin, with a, a Christmas Special that I think was intended to air in the middle of the season. Is that right? Yes. So this was like... So so it it's uh, the episode tag is 7G08 so it was I, I believe initially tagged to be the 8th episode of a season beginning kind of in the regular TV slot in yeah. October uh and they had some delays with uh animation as well as some delays with Fox not wanting to commit to a full length well not even full length a 22 minute <laughs> yeah cartoon show for adults <laughs> For not for children. Not for children. A primetime adult cartoon. Yes. Which would have been unheard of way and, back in 19... 19- and it was clearly a miserable failure that's been on the air for 30 years. Yeah. Well, questionable whether it should have been on the air for 30 years, but at least <laughs> 10 of those were great. Excellent. <laughs> uh, so what, I really, what I'm really excited about today is for the past couple of years, we've been fumbling around trying to think of things because like access to The Simpsons is not really great without like buying individual seasons. It's like, I think this happened. I'm pretty sure this was the B plot, but we are coming off this fresh, like literally just watch this episode. I, I never in my wildest dreams would thought I would be praising Disney in a public forum, but today we are in, indebted to the slave army that had cre- has created Disney Plus. Thanks to Disney Plus. Yes, I refuse to call it Plus. Plus, 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 Disney Plus. So yes, we are fresh off watching Simpsons roasting on an open fire. Um, let's just jump right on in. There's some cool things. It. Um, it is the only episode of The Simpsons, I'm going to say, ever to not open with the opening. With the couch gag? No couch gag, no chalkboard, no nothing. We, It's a quick little fade in with some snowflakes to Homer driving to the uh, yeah. the Christmas Do you concert. think that, um, like I, I always assumed it was because the first one they produced and they didn't have a ready-made gag for that yet, but like, do you think that they cut it, that there was a couch gag for this that they just scrapped? Well, and I think that part of the issue is like this was very much viewed as a Christmas special graduating up from the Tracy Ullman show. And it I, at that point, I don't even know if it had 100% been committed that they were going to get the rest of their season one on the so air. So this really could have been the only Simpsons... Full, like full, quote unquote full length Simpsons episode ever produced. Yeah, so uh, this aired December seventeenth, and then the the rest of season one uh, goes January fourteenth to the middle of March in nineteen ninety. So um, I don't I don't know that they had a hundred percent commitment to to being the Simpsons per se. Right. Interesting. 
December December seventeenth, nineteen eighty nine. I was three years old. I was I I had I yeah I was turning three in March. So. Yeah, maybe that's that's what it is. I, yeah, you're right. I was two and a bit. I certainly did not watch this when it aired. Did not. <laughs> um, I. I don't even know if I remember what kind of cereal I liked at that age. <laughs> I don't know if I remember anything from that age. I don't know if my brain formed memories. I remember yet. I probably liked hucking Hot Wheels down staircases. I was really good at that. that sounds like something you'd do. <laughs> sounds like that tracks. Uh, I wanted to briefly touch on, uh, I'm not going to get into writers and directors and, and the, the laundry list of of. Simpsons writers and directors and animators in the 30 years gone by because that's that's a long We're not long read the long credits. list uh, but this was a one and done so that uh, this was the only female writer on staff in season one and I think for a considerable time afterward uh, Mimi Pond uh, and she has had voiced her displeasure at the time and still currently uh, she's got an active Twitter account um, that uh, Really doesn't really cast some negative light on the on the internal workings of the Simpsons in terms of their views towards women. To at, this at, day, uh, I don't I don't know if it's a, a reflection on the the current directorial and writing staff. No, but she's but, still upset about thirty years ago. Uh, yeah, there's a tweet from like well, I mean, Twitter's not tw- Twitter is certainly not anywhere near as old as the Simpsons. Uh, I believe it was a tweet from like 2014 or 2015. Um, some someone had asked her about her time on The Simpsons, and she directed them that she didn't really enjoy that moment in her career, and uh, directed them to her other graphic novel work. What's her name? Mimi Pond. You continue. I'm gonna I'm gonna look this woman up on Twitter. Not to drag her or anything. I just want to see what she has to say. Um. Yeah. Um. There's. This is kind of an interesting episode because we've we've kind of delved into this in in what I'm dubbing season zero of in the four episodes of Thirty Years of Dough. We we did a Christmas episode. We did do a Christmas episode. I remember that. <laughs> uh, it's yeah one of well one of five total recordings one of f- f- one of four that's actually, actually made it out right? to you. Um, our fifth recording, I think. I think we both agreed that uh, yeah. that, that that didn't need to uh, make it out in public. Nope. <laughs> I think I was going to work on it on Banff, in Banff last year, and I sat down to listen to it. Like this is exhausting. <laughs> this is forty-five minutes of Chris and Matt throwing spaghetti uh, at a wall. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> pretty much. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit. Um, there's kind of some cool christmas movie homages and cultural references um some explicit some a little bit less so is that right what do you see in this um well the the first one that i always thought of having and again this is as a as a 90s kid watching this in the early 2000s i always thought that that christmas light sequence with simpson and flanders and the and the uh, flanders house lights I always thought that that was a reference to uh, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation with Clark Griswold yeah. and the, the, the nuclear-powered skylight that he yeah. turns on. Um, that movie came out probably just before this aired. So really? It came so out December 1st, So it would not have been a reference? So, yeah, there, I, 
it would have been way too recent a reference for them to animate it. Yeah. <laughs> for it to have been drawn. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's interesting, though, because it, it would be easy to, to think that, just given that Homer Simpson and Clark Griswold are, like, the proto-American head of the nuclear family and, like the late 80s yeah. early 90s I, I absolutely thought it was a, a national lampoon like spoof and i was yeah. which is funny because didn't a lot <laughs> of the net didn't some national lampoon guys end up working for the simpsons wasn't conan a national lampoon guy uh i believe so yeah yeah so you, a few years from now he will end up a writer on the simpsons and likely revolutionize the show like the early seasons are good but his are the best um there's also um this is going back into Something I've been delving into is watching a lot of really old TV. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's an episode of All in the Family <laughs> with Archie Bunker uh, where he doesn't get his Christmas bonus and is uh, more irate than Homer huh. Simpson is. And uh, it's it's filled with some... <laughs> Some, some interesting language, some interesting tirades, and some language that would never get to air. Never today. fly. <laughs> I'm surprised you can still watch it. Uh, so we're we're talking about 1989, and uh, were there any other cultural references that you see in this episode? Um, this is this is a tricky one. I, I mean, we wanted to to kind of to fixate on the moment in time in terms of of what's what's really different in if if we were to watch this from a 2019 lens well there's things that feel real to me like the the mall parking lot uh, right like that still resonates maybe i'm maybe we're just old men Uh, a a tattoo for 12 letters for 1595 (laughs) like i don't know if that was relevant then (laughs) i wonder like yeah who made the call if you got a tattoo in 1989 you should uh, hit us up at 30 years of dough yeah please let us know know how much what a small tattoo with up to up to 12 12 letters letters would have been worth at that time because like in my mind that's easily a hundred dollar piece of work and i mean factoring for 30 years of inflation i mean like that should still easily be a 40 or 50 dollar tattoo (laughs) of moth Yes. It was the fact that it was so easy to get it removed, like in the same building. <laughs> and, well, and, and ostensibly the same day or the same week. Yeah. Like t- as far as I've, I've delved into exploring, tattoo removal is kind of an exhaustive process. Yeah, and it takes requires multiple sittings. Ages. Yeah. <laughs> Although maybe if it's fresh. But, I mean, if it's that like uh, – I think that's a it's a big Goldfinger reference, right? With the big giant yeah. laser and the, and the switch, yeah, <laughs> which was awesome. Yes, and the doctor, like, no, it's not the doctor. It's the the te- the the guy who teaches the Santa class who we'll get to. So, like in this episode, the Simpsons go to the mall to buy present to buy Christmas presents, and Bart <laughs> ends up getting a tattoo somehow. <laughs> well, yeah, and it's a kind of like I don't know if it they were explicitly referencing it, but they're there, there's an old Christmas short story called The Gift of the Magi, um, which has been done to death. Uh, yeah. Disney, uh, if you've ever seen Once Upon a Mickey Christmas, it is The Gift it's of the Magi with the Mickey Magi. and Minnie as opposed to the two main characters of the short story. Right. Uh, where he sells his watch to get her a present, and she has to work really, really hard to get enough money to buy him a gold chain for his watch yeah <laughs> which is so it's like it's like the magi in reverse because they both yeah. count on each other <laughs> like there's the christmas jar that they save all year and the christmas bonus and marge and spends the christmas jar 
on tattoo <laughs> removal and Homer doesn't get his bonus, which is just the most the quintessentially 1989 storyline for any Christmas <laughs> special, right? Like, oh, we didn't have the Christmas bonus and now Christmas is ruined because as we all know, Christmas is about buying shit. Absolutely. Unless you're Charlie Brown. Which I think also gets a mention. Uh, yeah. Bar- Bart's... Uh, it happened to Charlie Brown. Man, ha- Who's Tiny Tim? <laughs> so, I, we've been putting on old episodes in the, just in the background where we do shit. And it's like, it's astounding to me some of the things that, that didn't resonate with me before and resonate with me now. And most of them are throwaway Homer lines like that. Like, Who's Tiny Tim? Oh my God. <laughs> Like the fact that it, there was a point in America, and that's the, that time is probably now, still now. Like you could just achieve more, like presidency, where you could be a total fucking moron and still just kind of like drift through life. Although I do find it interesting that they actually show him doing work, uh, and and not doing it rather not well. Not doing it well, but they still show him like he's clearly reading things off the clipboard and he's doing something. Uh, yeah, there, there's some Homer things that really don't track with Homer. As he has he evolved? No. Um, I mean, it doesn't. I don't even know if we get into beyond season two or season three before we see Homer just out and out napping at his at his yeah. desk at the nuclear power plant. And no, it's um, got to be into season two because the German <laughs> when the Germans buy the plant, that's two or three, and I'm yeah. pretty sure that uh, he's seen napping in that one. <laughs> Because I just watched that one with Kels, and it's like I burst out laughing at the oh no not the Germans the Germans are mad at me like Conan O'Brien Conan O'Brien wrote that joke word for word that is a hundred percent his joke, uh, but no he like it was really weird for him like oh Homer Simpson's doing work that's so bizarre but the show does show up it is surprising to me how many things are in place like. Consistent things or, or stylized choices that are the same in the first, in the very first episode as they are now, or at least up to when I stopped watching. Other, I, I mean, certainly, um, I was trying not to remark on it too much as we were watching this pre-recording here. I mean, the animation, like some of the animation faults in this first episode, are just atrocious. There's some, there's some really, really weird things with color. Um, just in turn, uh, the Barney with the yellow hair is yeah. one of the most disturbing Simpsons images. But a lot of the like, it's just, <laughs> like, when we get later in, well, like there's the few episodes where Smithers is black. Ah, uh, yeah. Um, there's a lot of kids in the school that you're like, oh, that kid's black now, or yeah. or that kid shows uh, up later, but looks yeah, very different. I think uh, Wendell is yellow in this episode mm-hmm. uh, when he is briefly depicted in the in the choir there and he he actually is a much paler color yeah yeah exactly yeah right right he's the same (laughs) color as everybody else sherry and terry are much shorter than they they have uh they have brown hair i think too ralph wiggins not a moron (laughs) uh well maybe he hasn't been hit on the head yet or Or it's it's clearly (laughs) proto ralph like you can see proto versions of all the kids in the first scene where they go to the, the christmas pageant show where lisa does a very racy grass skirt dance for an eight-year-old girl um if you're into watching old seasons with the commentary on which i mean we probably are but yeah you might not be <laughs> um they actually do address that and and uh one of the show writers is adamant that she is wearing a like a yellow skin colored leotard well it's it's not unapparent, right? Like, you, if you look close, you can see, like, oh, she's got a line, and it looks like she's wearing, yeah, like, pantyhose or something like that. But it's still, 
it's still it's a in- bit weird. incredibly racy for an eight year old. I just I just <laughs> wonder if that's the I don't know if that's the lens of adulthood or if it's the lens of today. Right. One well, that's just it. Like I mean, I don't know that watching that as a ten year old, mm-hmm. if I would have gone that direction at right. all. Well, I, I, so I thought about it because we we too have Disney Plus. Uh, and I and I saw oh, that the three, the Disney that the three caballeros was on Disney Plus. I was <laughs> stoked, and two thirds of it is great. But the last like third of the movie is just Donald Duck being a horn doggy lecherous pervert for <laughs> chasing women all over the place. Like this is awful. I liked this. Like what was wrong with me? And I'm not sure if and I, I know that if you read about that movie, people got a little testy that he was like getting all horned up for real women, like for not for a not a duck woman. Uh, but like, I don't think it would have mattered whether she was a duck, a mouse, a dog, or or a human being. Like that behavior is gross, and I think that's a like today lens. What I had some other notes written down. The notion that Mo would decorate the bar at all, like that Moses legitimately decorated from top to tail, and like, he's like Mo is displaying some form of Christmas spirit, right? Um, which is, I mean. I don't know how many seasons it takes for him to to put his head in an oven, but <laughs> where that it gets to be a sad, lonely existence for him, he becomes a hateful old man. Uh, but he was wearing a Santa hat in this one, and he had the black hair. That's well, another tonal thing that'll change. Yes, well, and that, I think that's part of. I mean, what we we talked about at the top of the the record here is these episodes in season one are out of order, um, and so. There are some there are some things that we're gonna see later that are introductions to characters that we may have already seen in one form yeah. or another. Well, you talked about pacing. Like the pacing is very weird. You talked about it when we were watching the episode. Like it feels like it happens in a weird order, and it feels like oh. there's not much to connect one thing to the next to the and next. There's some awkward silences for sure, uh-huh. which which is is weird in an animation environment, and I like. I think that's part of the evolution of the show too is like um, the writers and, and the animators are, are becoming familiar with what a 22-minute animated show. And I mean, that's kind of, we talked about how Fox didn't think a 22-minute adult cartoon was going to fly. And I mean, it really was unexplored territory. Mm-hmm. Pioneers they were. Manifest Destiny. Compass says West. That's where we're headed. <laughs> but it's also like it's pre itchy and scratchy, so there's no yeah. there's no crusty, there's no itchy and scratchy. But the happy little elves make their first appearance, uh, and they make their appearance right after Bart references the Smurfs. I yeah. think too. <laughs> he does bring up uh, that. I found weird, like the Charlie Brown thing. Yes, it's, that's fairly universal. There was another one he brings up. Oh, Tiny Tim. Tiny Tim. Uh, which yes, and but then like, the Smurfs. Like, did the Smurfs like, have Christmas special? I, like they I think them. I think they. Did. Dude, like, do I know anything about it? Can I can I remember it? No. Maybe that's our lens too. I mean, maybe maybe fans who watch The Simpsons initially in their twenties and thirties at at that moment in time in nineteen eighty nine. I mean, I like my only experience with the Smurfs is with um toy. Again, we talked about me throwing hot whales downstairs. My only experience with the Smurfs is is little figurines that I used to huck at people at daycare. <laughs> <laughs> I like the Smurfs, but I also grew up in a in an area where satellite was a necessity if you wanted any form of television. So we, I was exposed to a lot of like American cartoon networks at a very early age. I wanted to jump in on. Um, there's 
there's no real overt religious references in this episode. Yeah. And it, especially, I mean, we're introduced to Flanders for mm-hmm. the for the first time. But as you pointed out, he says happy holidays to Homer and his his Christmas <laughs> lights say Merry Xmas. And there, it, there's there's you would expect Flanders to have a nativity scene no, out front and it's just it, there's a, a Santa sleigh and Merry Xmas and and light so like I'm not I'm not sure that this particular Flanders prototype had had the uh, the overt Christian dad yeah. motif built in. So there's a the really cool thing at the beginning in the in the concert is the the second grade class does the uh, the Christmas of the world thing and I I did some digging and I guess uh, Matt Groening had to do a report because his grandmother was Russian and he had to interview her about what Christmas was like in Russia. Like in and Russia, that, Christmas buys you. <laughs> Father Winterland. <laughs> he would give us food if we were good and beatings if we were not. Um, yeah, and I, um, it's interesting that, I mean, as, as someone who's who's watched 30 years of television ostensibly there's a ton of stuff around uh politically correct christmas and whether Mm -hmm. there should be christmas plays in schools and the simpsons kind of just ignores all of that noise and says this is this was my experience of childhood this Mm -hmm. was the collective experience of childhood of the writing staff and this is what we're putting on tv uh, but the fact that they kind of went out of their way to put some, uh, like, put a multicultural spin on it, and to include some, some interesting things, well, some racy, racy oversexed Lisa. <laughs> yeah, that it, it is. You're right. It is very non-denominational. It's, it's decidedly not religious at all. Uh, there is no like they don't do a, a carol, a religious carol of any kind. There, yeah, there's no church experience at no. Christmas, which is weird because the Simpsons are churchgoers. Yeah. Uh, so this is also pre-Reverend Lovejoy. One of the in-depth uh, Simpsons wiki pages notes that there are 28 members of the fourth grade class on on stage. Which never happens again. And uh, there's certainly, I don't think there's 28 characters animated in, in many school shots of the yeah. Simpsons beyond, well, beyond you, this episode. When you said that to me, I was trying to like project in my mind's eye an image of the classroom and like if I could identify all the kids. And I don't think I could. Uh, but like once you get to Bart's class, there are identifiable children that you recognize, right? Like Lisa's class has nobody, which is weird because Ralph. Um, but everybody else is is pretty easily identifiable in some early, pro, quote unquote, proto version of themselves. Yeah, and I think that's a place where I'm going to close and I'm going to close and, and take a little partisan shot. Cause we were talking about class sizes Do it. and uh, I'm, I'm going to put words in the Simpsons mouth and say that they, they were certainly perhaps with animating 28 children on stage, making, making a, a statement about the status of public education. And we here in Alberta are in an environment where apparently class size numbers don't matter anymore. Nope, Not a damn bit. And all I'll say is that 30 Years Ago proudly supports public education and is in full support of our teacher pals out here in Alberta and across the listening diaspora that we reach with this podcast. Here, here, well spoken, Bruce. Do we have a sign off for this show? I don't know. <laughs> I, I, mean, I we, did woozle wazzle in the first episode it, well, and it was I, awful. <laughs> if you have thoughts about Simpsons roasting on open fire, you can tweet at us. 
at at 30 years of dough that's three zero years of d-o-h uh there's a facebook page uh yeah also with the handle uh, facebook.com slash three zero years of dope is there an email address there must be if there's a uh yeah account. three uh three zero years of dough at gmail.com uh get at us and let us know what if you if there's anything we, that you notice in this episode that we missed if you're following along we uh join the conversation excellent woozle wazzle this is Henry K. Duff's private reserve. Show me the money before I open the bottle. Today on 30 Years of Dough, we are drinking the lovely Banff Avenue White Wit, available in liquor stores across this fine province. Crisp, refreshing, and otherwise delightful. I like ban- Go banana! <laughs> Go banana. Mm. Hi, Mido. <laughs> <laughs> this has been Henry K. Duff's Private Reserve. This has been a production of Screaming Dachshund Studios. Big old dicks. <laughs>